What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 69, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. founder numero uno, and I am not joined by Ben Baseball this evening. However, in the on-deck circle, I think there's something going on down there. Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast, number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening, Sam. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing really well. I took Monday off after I went to Charleston this last weekend, and I just, you know, prattled around the house all day. <laughs> Have you been using that word more often now? Piddle? Yeah. Piddle, sure. prattle. There's any form of it you really want to use works great. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of I times haven't... it's just kind of like whatever comes out of my mouth is what I'm going with with that one. As long as the emphasis is correct, people are going to understand what, you, what you're trying to say. Exactly. I mean, the whole point is the fact that you're puttering around the house you know yeah uh-huh it went really well that's good well i'm glad to have you back you were off last week uh you feeling a little bit better yeah i was extremely sick some sort of food poisoning took mm. me out of commission like 4 a.m on monday morning um and then i was out monday and tuesday from work just shitting and vomiting forever too bad that enormous spider that was crawling around here that ben got a hold of didn't catch whatever you had because that thing was enormous that thing was enormous. I asked Ben about the size of its carapace, and he did not know how to answer that question. <laughs> That's right, because that was in our group text, and I remember seeing that and laughing. I'm like, I don't think he's going to know how to answer this question. <laughs> I don't mean I to discredit to Ben, but, you know. <laughs> I always aim to confuse people. Indeed, indeed. Well, it's rivalry week. The Rangers yes. and Red Sox just started. Chris Sale on the mound. Who do the Rangers have out there tonight? Uh, who do the Rangers have out there tonight? I don't have a good answer for that. Oh, Mike um, Miner. Mike Miner. He's good. He has been good so far. It's never been an issue with him of being good or not. It's just a matter of his health. Yeah. And, you know, I think if he stays healthy and the Rangers start to actually lose some games, maybe they trade him. Yeah. I, I'm. They've got some really valuable trade pieces, dude. I mean, going into this series, both teams have won 34 games. Yeah, I mean, this series could really be anybody's. I mean, Boston is definitely like picking up a lot of steam, and I don't think their record indicates how good they really are. Yeah, um, I think the Rangers' record indicates exactly how good they are, which is they're fine. Yeah, I mean, we went to the game, uh, the Oakland game. It was a this. We went to the first leg of a doubleheader on Saturday, which was hot as all hell. But we got, we got to sit up in the like stands underneath the shade, so we were all right. It could have been yeah. way worse, and. Um, yeah. And they beat the living piss out of the Oakland A's 10-5 to 5 that night. That was the same night they retired Beltre's number. Ooh, what a good night to be there. Yeah, we didn't see that part of it, but it was cool. Like, you could see that they were setting up to do all that stuff. The robe that, that uh, he got is amazing. They He was there and they gave him a robe? Yeah, well, uh, it was his gift from Elvis. Wow. It was a giant retirement robe with his number and his name on the back of it, and it was Rangers themed. It was awesome. Maybe when you said Elvis, I just I wasn't thinking enough about baseball. I thought Elvis Presley giving a robe to Adrian Beltre must have been <laughs> sequins, like only sequins. Okay, got it. Like a cape. Got it. Yeah, you got uh, you kind of forgot about their buddy buddy stuff on the fields that's been gone already. Yeah. I missed that already about them, and I don't even watch the Rangers. It's it was perhaps the best uh, non blood brotherhood in baseball ever. It was a lot of tomfoolery, but it was great. Very good stuff. Bit, there's always like gimmicky stuff like that, but they were able to keep that going for a long time. Like the Red Sox outfield dance thing was cool for a season, but after that it got played. They tried to keep that going for a little bit too long. It, they kept it going for like a season and a half, and that yeah. didn't seem to fly. It was like if there's three people, it's like too much of the team is doing it, but not enough of the team, but it's just two guys. It's like you can't fuck with just me messing with my buddy. And that's like, they just made that so, like, silly. You know, like, it was just messing around versus, like, a choreographed dance. I, yeah. Both were kind of cool, but just different. But I think the, the brotherhood type thing that you mentioned is just priceless. You just don't see that anymore in any sport, no. really. I can't think of another two players in baseball, let alone another sport, that sort of have that relationship right now. Yeah, that's for sure. But, Maybe if I dug a little deeper, but at pace, no, I can't think of anything right now. But we were, uh, but like I said, we saw them play the A's, and man, the A's stink, like Oof. they stink out loud. 
And we all expected them to be a lot better than they are. They're a stinky 500 then. They're, they're, uh, their win percentage is 500 right now. So Yeah, Chris Davis had his first home run since like uh, April yesterday or something like that. He's been dealing with a pretty serious hip injury. Okay, that's uh, fair. I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he came off the IL and uh, hasn't been very good before or after that. They, you know, they tried to like keep him from going on the IL and he wasn't doing very well. They finally, you know, re-injured him a couple times, then put him on the IL and he's back. So good to, good to see he's hitting a home run on my team. I yeah. beat the shit. I beat the shit out of <laughs> one-eared Ivan. Dude, you and I beat the living piss out of both people we played this week. It wasn't even fair. No. I scored 110 points on Sunday. Jason scored 150 points all week. Jesus Christ. That's bad. That's really bad. And, you know, it's possible that maybe he's getting back at me. I, I received two pieces of mail that, again, are just they worth mentioning on the show. I got two issues of a, a magazine called Essence. Um, and if you're not familiar with Essence, you might give it a quick cursory Google search. Definitely not the demographic for Essence. Okay. Um, and they were they were titled or addressed to a Yolanda Carter. <laughs> I'm, I think there's there's a non-zero chance that Jason signed me up for this magazine. I mean, we're known to do that to each other. Uh, it was one of those things like you asked about it, and I was like, man, I really wish I could take credit for this because this is hilarious. Unfortunately, it is not me, and I get why you would think so. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it were Jason. I get I get Spray Foam magazine here, and I get Essence magazine here. Yeah, the Spray Foam thing was really weird. But you've had this is the second weird publication to show up at your house. So, I mean, it's obviously seems like a way to mess with you. Yeah, no. If if it is, well done. Um, but you're still gonna. I'm gonna beat you, and I'm gonna take your money. Right, and that's what it really comes down to. <laughs> But yeah, man, I think uh, it's for Boston in this series. I think that they've all I can really tell you is it feels like a World Series hangover. And I know that feels like an excuse, but it just they have the same talent, the same talent. And Chris Sale was off to a very slow start. What else hasn't been clicking? Just none of the pitching got off to a good start at all, but they're picking it up, all of them. And it definitely we talked about this last couple of episodes now, but. The Yankees are really good, and that's not helping things for the Red Sox. There were a lot of things last year where the Yankees, they still won a lot of games too, but they dropped really fluky, important games, and that's where the difference lies. And yeah. I just it just feels like the Red Sox can't turn a corner. It just They can't do it, and that's frustrating. I mean, the people that are calling calling out Alex Cora and trying to say it's his fault or out of their goddamn minds. But yeah. uh, it's just really frustrating to watch. It's been hard to watch, to be honest with you. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, we, we've watched fluky teams almost every season, like regress back to the mean. And I believe that Boston is doing that right now. And, and their mean from where they are is like, they're going to get better. Right. They're going to regress to a better, better mean than uh, everywhere else. You know, they're scoring a shitload of runs, the most in their division. Um, and if they were to pick up the pitching and you know continue that trend, I think they'll they'll be in second before you know it, and uh, they'll be hot on the heels of the Yankees. I mean, it's a weird world where you've got Chris Sale, who's one in seven. Yeah, I mean, he's given up three three or more runs like many many times in his past eight starts. Yeah, he's got a three seven six ERA on this on the season. I mean, that's about right. But he's missing more bats now. Um, and opponents' averages are going down, and that's going to win. It's going to win games for him. Yeah, and he's striking out people too. He he said it. He said that he's lost his way a little bit as far as just trying to find his way back to his stuff. And sometimes that happens to guys. And you just got to. It's a mental thing, I think, in a lot of ways. You just got to figure it out and play through it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, that's to me when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, that's an emotional response. Like, oh, I've lost my way. It's like, no, your arm angle is fucked up, or yeah. like, hey, maybe you're gripping the ball differently. I'm curious what that. It's almost always a mechanic. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering what what it was there. I guess it, it's you know the mentals of the game are always going to be a component, but I've got to think that if he's struggling for that long, something was wrong with his approach. Sure, but I mean he's also Chris Sale, so like it, right. it's there's so much of it that's mental, right? I mean that's that's where I mean 
he's a freak. I mean, that dude is as thin as a toothpick. We talk about it all the time and throws the living piss out of the ball. The fact that he still has an arm is insane. And it's just sawdust in there. It really, it's got to be. Like, one day it's just going to straight fall off. Like, he's just not going to be able to let go of the ball. It's just going to come out of socket, and there, there it went, you know? And he's, like, he outsmarts batters all the time, though, and I think that's what it comes down to, and they're intimidated by him. So, I mean, yeah. you know, if that's off, too, that doesn't help anything. You're doubting yourself, and you can't, you know, it, it turns into a whole mental bullshit game, but. Do you think maybe he knows that his arm is going to fall off and he's been practicing too much with the other arm? Mm. So his current arm pre-fall off is struggling? Could be. That's a very, very logical explanation of what's going on on a one in seven season so far. Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think he's got, I think it might be two and two and seven, something like that. But regardless, he's off to a really slow start. I mean, David Price was the same way, but he started to look really good. He cleaned up the Yankees the other night, just mopped the floor with them. And he's been really dominant ever since. So, I mean, they're going to start turning it on to your point. And I think they're not just not going to win 108 games like they did last year. It's just it's not going to happen. It was just a great season. It's hard to follow that up. Right. I mean, they got on fire and just never really stopped. That's that doesn't happen that often. But it's going to be a dogfight coming down to the end with it with the Yankees, though. And so um, I think that's going to put teams like the Rangers in a really good spot to be able to capitalize on selling pieces and getting as much as you can for guys like Hunter Pence. I mean, you were talking about Hunter Pence a little bit the other day. Is that that so that's not sustainable, right? I it's been sustainable all season. I mean, we've played what? Like 60 games Yeah, you're about doing, a third of the way through. He's still doing the thing. So, you know, it, it's hard to say if he'll drop off a cliff, but um pretty far into the season, got a lot of at-bats, probably over 200. Um and he's still doing the thing. He's still hitting for power, still hitting for average. Um can't can't see anything really wrong with that. Yeah, I'm looking right now. So this year, he's hitting 284 on base, 337, and an OPS of 911. I mean, that's what he was doing in like 2014 during the World Series runs and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering if maybe this is like classic change of scenery thing, um, or like you know, one year deal lit a fire under the guy's ass and tried a little bit harder. Yeah. No, and the hometown thing definitely makes a difference, especially here, man, because in Dallas, baseball is just so deprioritized, and it's like, I mean, the Cowboys just run everything. It's so annoying. I know. And and, and so, like, guys like that that are from here, that means a lot to them, and you can't really buy that in a contract. And you'll find guys like Cole Hamels who love being here, but sure. ultimately, like Hunter Pence is from Dallas, and, and it goes with any place like that. I think in a lot of ways, but I, I don't, I don't discount that at all, man. I think that's a really good possibility there, and it's not like he doesn't have experience playing here, for sure. Yeah, I think possible trade ship at the deadline. So is Drew Smiley, Lance Lynn, Mike Miner all probably gone? Hold the phone. Uh, did you know that Hunter Pence's nickname is Underpants? Well, there's another nickname that he has too. What is that? Stinger. I don't. I don't know about this. Maybe I should let Jimmy Midtown tell the story, but he has, um, you know, MLB player friends. Okay. Um, basically, he has a, a very well. I just. I shouldn't. I won't. Yeah, don't unbag it or anything. But oh, no. Well, this will be. This will be a Midtown special. Okay, that sounds good. I'll make a note of that. Good. He'll know how to tell it in a way where he doesn't <laughs> expose whoever it is. So, uh, yeah, and I just don't want to be like liable or anything. <laughs> <laughs> we have attorneys for that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in short, he has the nickname Stinger. Okay. All right. Well, we'll. I feel like mate. Uh, I know some weird thing about this, but I don't remember the specifics of it one way or the other. And I know Ben doesn't know, so we'll talk about it on the show whenever we. Uh, okay. We yeah, see him in Colorado. I don't mean to withhold content, but no, no, getting the full the full details. I think that's worth kicking the can down the road on for sure. Yeah, okay, especially cool. if it, you can get it from the the source. But the nickname you have for him was what? Underpants. Underpants. I don't know. Ooh, it says it on MLB's uh, website. I'm. G- <laughs> so it's got to be I'm true. I guess that he wears briefs. Yeah, he seems like a briefs guy. He does seem like a briefs guy. But Here. like, okay, so let me ask you this though. So on the topic of the Rangers in general, though. Like, I mean, are they going to sell off everything if they put together some, like, okay pieces? Or This is the problem. You don't want to get lulled into that, right? 
Right. Like, I, you know, it's not a championship quality team. Yes, they are doing well. They are over 500. Um, I think they're one injury away from just like totally being terrible. Just collapsing. Okay. Yeah. You lose Lance Lynn or Mike Miner, and then you lose um, one out of every five games for two months. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, I would hate for them to be like, oh, no, wait, we're trying to be good now. We're buyers or like we're holders. Um, I, I would love to see them in this rebuild. This is supposed to be a rebuild phase, right? Right. I would love for them in this rebuild phase to recognize the value at its peak in this season, sell it for you know some rolls of the dice with some prospects or maybe some, some known, uh, known quantity values on other teams to, to make the team better in the future. You no, know, I agree with that. John Daniels just happens to be the worst GM that about that specifically that one specific thing i think he's overall probably a mid mid range gm he's not a great gm he's not a terrible gm by any means i think he's I think he is a good gm i believe i believe in john daniels he doesn't have the pocketbook necessary to make the, the right decisions that's fair and i this offseason he will have i think last season i said more leash to do to do the right things for the ball club like no like price inconsiderate yeah i think that's that's a big part of this too right like that's having the resources that you need to do the job seems really obvious but i mean for people that don't want to spend the money that they're getting back for the franchise that they own that's a really shitty thing to happen yeah it's true and the fact um, that owners are trying to like kick the can down the road and pay Bryce Harper until like 2052 or whatever is just ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, it's I I, I want to say that John Daniels will do the right thing here. And I, I think you've got to stick to that plan no matter what happens. Like they're a 500 club. They're not, like you said, a championship team. But I've just it seems like they've held on too long too many times for me to feel really comfortable and that's the only reason i questioned john daniels really to be honest with you because i think the way he constructed that world series roster was brilliant yeah and he had all the resources at his disposal to go and get the cole hamels and the cliff Lees and all those folks from from the phillies basically and boy do i true boy do i love all the people that love to point out the fact that nolan was the one that constructed or try to point out the fact that nolan constructed that team when yeah, consultant, but mm, John I think Daniels. He, I think he was maybe way more involved in the acquisition of pitchers and convincing pitchers that they could do well in a hitter's ballpark. Yes. But outside of that, I think he was very, you're right, very consultative um, and not like a real player there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, he's, he was a player. And right. He talked to the players. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was kind of, that was kind of his game, I think. And that's fine. Like, if that's what you are, that's great. But people didn't look at it that way, which was fascinating to me. Yeah, I don't think he presented himself that way, but that's where his value was. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think he really presented himself in any way. He just did his usual thing and just sat there kind of quietly. Like that's just, <laughs> I mean, that's just what he does. <laughs> the sheepish Nolan yeah. Ryan in the corner. Terrifying man, though. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. All right, well, let's do the POS quarter. Great. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular scheduled programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. All righty. Let's talk pieces of shit. Let's do um, My piece of shit for this week is Red's manager, David Bell. Ooh. A bell for a bell. Tell me more. So uh, I didn't know David Bell was the manager of the Reds until I looked up uh, who is the Reds manager. Yes. Um, David Bell is the manager. This means that he sets the batting order for the Reds very mm-hmm. frequently. It might be a bench coach. Mostly it's the manager's job to set, to set the lineup. They have the final call. 
they have the final call. The Reds are not a good team. They're in last place in their division. Um, but namely, I'm calling out David Bell because um, great Cincinnati Red Joey Votto has – I want you to guess how many RBIs Joey Votto has. Oh, man. Has he been – so let me ask a few questions. How many games has he played? He has played 58 games. Okay, so he's played most of them. With 220 at-bats. Hmm. I bet you so for, it's got to uh, be a lot, right? As a reference, the MLB leader is uh, Josh Bell. He has almost 60. Right. So I was, I'm was i going to say around 42. Oh, my God. That's wrong. Joey Votto has 14 RBIs. 14? 14 RBIs. What? Joey Votto has 14 RBIs. He's hitting 260. Um, he has a slugging of 379, OPS of 726. Like, not amazing hitting stats, but he has 14 <laughs> RBIs. So Okay, so there are RBIs glaring holes in, in this lineup card. Glaring holes. <laughs> glaring holes, right? The, uh, Joey Votto, perennial number two spot hitter. I think he's been hitting number two most of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but some something is wrong with the order in which hitters are going up to the plate. If your number two guy only has 14 RBIs across 219 plate appearances. So as a reference, nobody has less RBIs uh, and has more with, with 200 or more at bats. So he has 200, the most at bats. So he's on the bottom. Yeah, he's on the bottom. Okay. The next closest is Leonis Martin. He has 222 at bats and he has like 18 RBIs. Yeah, but he's Leonis Martin. Right, and this is Joey fucking Votto. Right, that's so, why I was shocked. Joey Votto, you know, not not an, an amazing season. Red's not an amazing team. Um, they have, you know, a fair amount of RBIs. They're not, they're not at the bottom of the list in RBIs. But something is wrong with the way that order and that batting lineup is constructed to make Joey Votto only have 14 RBIs. Right, so where would you put him in the batting order in that case for those that aren't well, familiar with how that's constructed? Because usually would, you have your... your quickest guy to get on base that gets on base most to lead off right yeah yeah i think uh it might be less about where joey Votto is and more about where the other guys are right because they have as a team the correct number of rbis for their performance i think they're like 20 seconds with like 240 rbis that's fine mm-hmm. but this guy only has 14 of them and you want him to have way more right so i mean you'd want to get at least another hitter in front of him. You want to either put him in the third or fourth slot is my guess there. Like, I know he's always batted in second, but I mean, you got to do something there. You got to get some guys on base for him for sure. With an OPS of seven seventy one and the potential that he has that can come up. He, yeah, I mean, he's, that's his Mendoza line. If you want to look at it that way, if you want to raise everything yeah. up to his level, he's a really good baseball player. People and don't know about him. Worse. Right. People don't know about him because he's in Cincinnati, but yeah. it's, oh my God, dude, that's an insane. I really thought he was better. Like he had had more RBIs than that. Well, lots and lots of players have more RBIs. Than yeah. that. Lots of players, like lots of catchers who really aren't that good have more RBIs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess now that I'm now that we're talking about this, I guess it could be like a clutch situation where like he's choking with men in scoring position or something. Mm-hmm. But um, I've, my, I point to the manager of the Reds, um, David Bell, for not constructing the lineup appropriately. How does that happen with analytics and everything now? Like, how is that? How does that not dictate most of your lineup and your decision? I realize that you can never completely take the human element out. But, I mean, that's got to give you... With all the simulations and everything you run, that's got to give you your lineup 90% of the time, 90% correct, right? Yeah, I mean, it should just be printed out based on whatever the computer says, not what you think. Right. It just, that's what it almost feels like. It's like, oh, well, the numbers say this, so let's keep going. And that, that that's not working here. Like he's batted number two for seven seasons. Let's just keep him in the two spot. Um, probably like maybe put him in the five spot who cares he's not hitting well enough to deserve the two spot so mix it up do something else why not try like you've got (laughs) you're terrible anyway for the most part i mean they're a few games under 500 so i mean piddling around pattering around if you will 14 rbis for joey Votto, and i was gonna call joey Votto as the piece of shit but i don't think it's his fault he's doing 12 
No, not with not with the the type of stats he's got going on there. It's completely adequate. All right, so my POS of the week is a big one. Ooh. It's the son of a bitch that shot my favorite baseball player of all time, David Ortiz. So, big story came out last night. David Ortiz was shot basically in the back through the abdomen. Video came out. Did you see the video of this thing? I saw the video. I saw the video. It is rough to watch. It was rough. I mean, it was initially being reported as a robbery, and then somebody came up with this security cam footage of the guy walking up behind him and just shooting him. And that's like, that's not that's not robbery. That's an assassin, assassination attempt. That's exactly what that is. That's insane, though. The if I don't know if I should even recommend people to see this video or not. It is brutal eh, to watch. I didn't think it was that. It's not like graphic or anything. It's just like, it's pure, real violence. Yeah. Well, and yeah, just for the sake of not living in a a completely violent society all the time, if we can help it. But regardless, dude, it is bad. The whole baseball community has been like almost mourning over this, yeah. even though he's not dead. Like they flew him, so they stabilized him last night a little bit at least. He's been in the, the ICU. They flew him back to Boston on the team plane today, yep. and he is at Mass General right now, where you know obviously they have the best, some of the best doctors in the world working on him, and they think he's going to be just fine. But what a crazy ass thing to happen to him. Super crazy. He had he had a six hour surgery. They took out part of his small intestine, part of his colon, part of his gallbladder. He he also has a liver damage. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the liver, it's what processes all the alcohol you drink. But it also regrows itself, which is why liver transplants are okay. Like you can give somebody half a liver and it's going to grow into a full one. Right. Uh, but liver damage when it comes to trauma is a very scary, like latent issue dealing to deal with. So not out of the woods, but as you mentioned, stabilized and in the states where there's real doctors. Yeah, and that's that's huge too, man. And I, I think like the amount of man, and I always love the people too that are like it's like it's always the Yankee fans of whatever organization where something like this happens that you're talking about. So not necessarily the Yankees, but in this case the Yankees fans that are like, oh, hope he doesn't die. I remember whenever we faced him in the 2003, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's like just Shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is not a baseball story. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is um, very important to Boston as a city, um, has been a big part of the community there, uh, you know, be it outreach, legitimate outreach, or just telling, you know, the whole the whole crowd at Fenway that this is our fucking city. And yeah. after the after the marathon bombings, like just an all around, um, like, I guess, honorary Bostonian Hall of Famer. He's just one of, and even further than Boston, he's just one of those guys, like almost like Dirk, where it's like you don't hear a bunch of sleazy shit about him. You know, he's just an overall good dude. And like, I'd say majority of athletes are not like that anymore, unfortunately. And it just, that sucks. And that's its own problem. But yeah, he was always genu genuinely a good guy, genuinely always excited to be around people and see people. And he was a yeah. mentor. And that matters. Like, the, and I mean, if you want to talk baseball, like the way the man could come alive in the postseason was unlike anything I've ever seen of any player ever. Yep. Other than outside of like maybe Manny. Manny's pretty good. I mean, I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about um, World Series Hall of Famer or World, uh, sorry, <laughs> World Series MVP. Um, he's won multiple championships. Um, a true a true legend in the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, he's going to be an instant first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Instant. Yeah. Best, best DH ever. I mean, not not even a question. But yeah, man, that that's that's a shitty thing that happened. I love all the videos that came out of the guy that shot him that just got his absolute ass kicked oh, they, immediately. They destroyed him. Yeah. There's, like, there's, his mugshot is him. His head is wrapped and his face is just pulled. There's got to be more to that story, though, right? He didn't just out of nowhere decide to try to kill this guy. It almost you know, feels I, like a... I just can't say. No one... It's hard to speculate there, right? I'm, I'm hoping it's just some lone wolf who's jealous. Yeah. Um, I, I hope there's not more to the story where Poppy, like, treated him like shit or something or or just that you're always going to have detractors out there no matter what like if you're that famous that's just how it goes you know and yeah. especially in places like that where it's not as worldly and you know 
it's you're talking about the Dominican that's a little bit more violent and you know all that stuff. Not to throw stereotypes out there or anything, but it's still just genuinely a more violent place. And yeah, there, there is more violence to solve more problems. Right, and that is a shame. That's an absolute shame. And he does a lot to like curb that and curb that uh, yeah. that stigma, which yeah. is great. So. I, I really, I read his book, my mother-in-law got it for me, probably, it was, I think it was the year he retired, I think it was in 2017, but um, his book was really good, I thought, it read really quick, it was simplistic, because he's not like a words guy, really, but like, after having read like uh, Tito's book, and then his book, and some of just like the different defining moments of his career, like of course, Poppy talked about the drug test thing that you know, is always associated with him, the quote-unquote failed drug test that he never saw, you know, whenever baseball was doing that weird shit back in the day. And he talks about it from his point of view. And I just, I I overall always enjoyed him as a human. I just, I never thought, of course, there's the Boston connection that'll always have the soft place in my heart. But like, I always thought he was a great human. And I think that's so rare to find these days, so... I agree, especially in professional sports. So, and the good news is he's going to be fine. It seems like we don't have to talk about him in the the past tense, but it got scary there for a little bit. I mean, it was it was really sudden when all that went down. And I mean, the in the information age, at least you can stay plugged into what's going on with it. But still, man, it was that was a hell of a story that came out. Very scary. I mean, the guy must have been a terrible, terrible shot to not have killed him in one shot, like straight through the back. I mean, didn't even hit him in the chest. Hit him in the gut. Right. So, I mean, he and he was kind of aiming down, too. So, I mean, overall, it was it was just a shitty, shitty thing. So that's the POS quarter. All right. So since Ben's out of the office, uh, a couple of other little news items here real quick, and then we're going to run down what some of the all star ballot looks like, because I think there's some really good stuff to talk about there. Cool. Um, But one thing that happened this past week that we didn't really get to touch on yet was the final signings of Kimbrel and Keichel. Yes. These are, these are great signings. Finally. Where, where do you want to start? Let's do Keichel. All right. You want to lead the, this one? Yeah. So Dallas Keichel remained unsigned for what? 60, 60 ish games through the season. They waited till after the draft to um, pick up, Dallas Keuchel, he was uh, picked up by the Braves. He got a one-year, $13 million deal, I think. Um, this is a, an innings consumer. You know, he's he's way out of shape. He needs at least two starts in the minors to even be considered for um, an, a, a starting position with, with the Braves before he hope he'll start with them. Um, it took a really long time to sign this guy. I mean, he's Cy Young a winner. Um, he's won World Series with the Astros. So sad to see that, you know, in, in the same vein as Kimbrel, sad to see that it took them so long to get picked up, but happy to see him land on a team. He's also on my fantasy team, consuming a spot and not pitching. So looking forward to him hopefully uh, being good. I mean, he's got a career 366 ERA. He's uh, started 183 games. He's got 1,189 innings pitched. He's got a 1.25 uh, whip, and yep. he's got a WAR of 18.3. That's a pretty durable pitcher overall for his career so far. It's just been like I mean, he still had a pretty good year last year, but he went like 500. I'm pretty sure. Let me look. Yeah, he went 12 and 11. He had a 3.74 ERA, and he had 204 innings, struck out 153. Had a 1.314 whip, and he had a 9.3 hits per nine. So, I mean, not great, but not bad either, right? I mean, a good 4-5 guy. Yeah, for sure. He belongs in a team that's going to make it far into the postseason. The Braves, I still believe, could be that team. So, um, I'm actually going to try and go see him pitch at some point. I'd like to do that. I feel like you have to. I mean... You look at his year in 2015 in Houston where he went, uh, let's see, 20 and 8. He had a 2.48 ERA. He had, he went, he uh, pitched 232 innings. That's the most he'd ever pitched in his career. He had 64 earned runs and he struck out 216. Damn. A whip of 1.017, best in his career. 
hits per nine was 7.2. So that's that's a hell of a dominant season. Yeah, I agree. Um, he should he should do well. I think it's going to take him many, many starts to shake the rust off. But, um, you know, with both of these guys, I think there's value that has yet to prove out around a guy's season starting one third of the way through the season. Yeah. You see a lot of pitchers drop off after they reach, I don't know what, like 150 innings or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard for them to really grind through the postseason. You know, they've got that, that extra in the tank quote unquote, but sure. this is someone who's pitched um, a hell of a lot less than everyone else. And by the time uh, he gets a couple starts under his belt, if he's actually still good, um, could prove to be very valuable down the stretch when some of your other guys are starting to taper taper off. That's fair. What do you think that? So, like, say that you're Dallas Keuchel in this whole situation. So, so far this season, I mean, he hasn't sat on his ass. He's been working out, obviously, right? So, you go through simulated spring training, probably in some form or fashion of your own. Yep. And like, so are you as Keuchel? Are you trying to like quote unquote make a start, even if it's a simulated game every few days? To stay in shape or? Yes. I think if you're smart, you're absolutely doing whatever it is you can to simulate actual um, batters. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like the grind of playing day to day. I mean, you can't simulate that. Right. I mean, the environment and the the intangibles there. I mean, you think about stepping stepping up to the plate and pitching up against uh, pitching against a guy um, like Nolan Arenado or something like that. Like that's hugely intimidating. What are you going to, you can't, that's not the same as just some schmo with a bat. Maybe his first start should be against the Reds so he can face Joey Votto and you don't have to worry about the RBIs very much. It's fair. Yeah. Maybe you just, you know, pitch to him. (laughs) No, but I think like there's this, so I, we haven't talked about the Kimbrel thing much and, and I think like, man, a a three year, $45 million deal feels like that's going to bite the Cubs in the ass a little bit. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. And they were pretty resistant to spending more money. The Ricketts kind of said no more on the checkbook thing for Theo right now because they've got a lot of expensive deals on the books. It's true, but this is a proven player. He's really good. I mean, he struggled a little bit last year. um, But, you know, he I think he's the all time leader in saves. He's like got an excellent ERA for closers. The Cubs have blown like 12 or 13 saves. They need a fucking closer if they want to close any playoff series. So, yeah, uh, I don't hate the move. I get why they did it this year, but it's just one of those things. I think in year two or three, they're going to hate this contract. Right. Not that it really ultimately matters because you're really just trying to get him for as long as you can. And the rest of it's you got to anticipate that at least probably at least a year that's going to be sunk cost. Right. I mean, he's going to blow out his arm somewhere maybe he yeah, throws I mean, the fuck out of the ball dude he's gonna i mean eventually your arm just can't do that anymore it's true you know um, i'm so, not sure how old he is what is he like 32 something like that but um but the, the thing we, oh i was just gonna say though the thing that people don't really like talking about with him though is like last year he was really good when he came in with the bases empty but if there were people on he stunk out loud in a lot of spots i mean he didn't even close out the world series that's just the mentals yeah, I guess. But I'm just saying, though, that's what you're paying for here. Yeah, It's a little concerning. You, I mean, I want my closer to get out of any spot no matter what. It's fair. I'd like to take a step back and look at that Kimbrel deal. Tell me that deal couldn't have happened in the offseason. Oh, three years, 45? Absolutely. Why the fuck didn't it happen? I don't know, dude. <laughs> is it just the draft pick? Like, come on. No, you got to think like- you got to think this is a Scott Boris thing, right? But fuck thinking you can get more money. They need to do away with that draft pick thing. Don't they like that's stupid, isn't it? I think it's stupid. I also think, yeah, both uh, with. So Kimbrell finally got paid. That's fine. Um, Keiko really didn't. I mean, he should have taken the qualifying offer. Right. And I don't I think that was more of a bet on himself type of thing. But he's had a really varied career to be betting on himself like that. You take the money now when you're a pitcher. Yeah, I don't like either of those moves. I, I especially don't like the Scott Boris strategy of, oh no, hold out. You know, he's got he had many many offers on the table throughout the season. It, Scott was like, no, no, hold off, hold off. And then all of a sudden, he flipped the script and was like, oh no, you should definitely take one of those deals now. Right. Um, I think realizing that that strategy was um, bad, maybe overplaying your hand a little bit. 
and now he's got a one-year 13 like wh- nothing to fucking cry about with 13 million dollars coming at you this year but um that it goes you know it wasn't what we wanted if i'm in the keiko camp and the funny thing is that the whole reason the red sox closed the door on him so to speak is that he wanted six years 100 million we got 345 so he got pretty close to half that at least and that's probably what he was worth yeah yeah so i mean but i don't i still think that boston did the right thing by not paying it i really do i just maybe uh, maybe it's just me wanting to be right about this and that probably plays into it a little bit my gut feeling on moves like this is almost every time you cannot sign some uh atrocious contract like that it's better that you don't but people do or teams do all the time and i just say i say this about basketball i say this about football and baseball to a little bit lesser of an extent but it just can't be that hard to assemble a team baseball is a little bit different just because you have like the minors and you have so much the, the propensity of people not working out is so much higher in baseball than it is in other sports yeah but still like it just can't be that hard it really can't. And right. it just seems like they, it's almost like the concept <laughs> you'll love this of auto drafting in your fantasy baseball league. Ooh. For some of us that works well because we don't overthink it. Uh, others. It doesn't apparently, which is kind of what I'm learning, but nonetheless, that's what, that's what Jason's learning too. That, that's what I'm saying. That's how I'm learning it. <laughs> 150 points. Yeah. It's 150 points of bad. That's what that is. <laughs> But yeah, man, I think overplaying the hand is definitely in play for both of those things. I think that a good agent could have gotten that done before the season started, at least on the Kimbrel thing. Yeah, maybe an, an agent with a smaller head. There weren't five teams out there that were offering three for 45. That I don't believe that at all. That's a I good deal. I wouldn't have minded the Red Sox signing him to that. I would have yeah. been completely fine with that, but he wanted no part of that. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we go, do what you got to do, but that you went out and got the same thing from arguably a lesser team. It's kind of hard to say at this point, it really is. Yeah. But maybe, maybe not. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to say. So, regard. I was really surprised that Kimbrel went, or I'm sorry, that Keiko went to the NL. Um. I yeah. I think he wanted to be on a contending team, on top of all the financial asks, and maybe those were sort of few and far between. Um. Yeah, Atlanta's Atlanta's you know middling right now. I don't think they're living up to their potential. Pedaling, pedaling. Maybe he wanted to go back to his 2012 roots when he got drafted by the Astros and they were an NL team at the time. Mm, could be. Hmm. I mean, your K numbers will go up. All your pitching stats will go up in the NL. So go figure. His pitching stats were actually the worst that year, <laughs> but it was his rookie year. So I mean, you know, imagine if he was as good as he was in 2016 15. when he won the Cy Young. 15. Yeah. And then was in the NL. That's true. That would have been disgusting. Because the NL stinks. I don't know. That that's that's not a hot take. That's just a fucking fact. It's getting getting a little bit better, but it is getting better. It helps that Bryce Harper stayed in the NL. Yep. We really should revisit my plan of realigning baseball at some point to really talk through that again because I think that's more relevant than it's ever been. I really do. With the CBA coming up, I mean, why not just change everything? Yeah, I. I I'm uh I'm working on abolishing the draft in the NBA, so I think I could probably do the same thing in MLB. I've just got to sort out a lot of things like international pool money. You know, <laughs> it's uh, kind of hard to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, let's look at the All Star ballot and talk about kind of where things are looking. So it's really early. Voting yeah. goes from basically May 28th to June 21st, so it actually ends quicker than than it seems like. So. Uh, we have All-Star Weekend. It's usually over the 4th of July weekend. We'll have the game oh. and everything. But there's some really interesting names here of people that are kind of leading. And I figured we'd kind of walk through, like, at first base and second yeah. base, third base. You know, just go through the positions and look at, you know, kind of who's leading and what how we're feeling about everybody. For sure. I don't know if these are ranked here, but... You can uh, sort them by average, home run, RBI, OPS. So however you want to look oh, at I it. See. Oh, it's just A to Z online. No wonder. Yeah, well, um, you should have the option to do either. But, I mean... yeah. So the, the there's a glaring, glaring, glaring hole in the American League first base side from yes. my end. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Jose Abreu? I never know how to say his name right. Uh, no, he's in there. Jose Abreu is in there. Abreu, that's right. Um, no, the person not listed oh. here, I'd have to write in his name. What? No, no, go ahead. Daniel Vogelbach. 
Okay, yeah. You know who Daniel Vogelbach is? Uh, he well, so I'm trying to think of what his career trajectory or like where he's played before. He's played for the Cubs, the or Cubs. I think he was drafted by the Cubs, but he's only played for Seattle. Okay. Um, this is a man who is very tall, and he's just a brick shit house made out of meat. Um, he's huge. <laughs> he's like a quintessential slugger, but he walks a lot. This guy on the season has a 921 OPS. He's batting 247, but he has 16 home runs and 37 RBIs. Um, but the OPS is really where it's at for me. This guy has patience and power, um, sort of a rare combination of attributes. You'd expect him to be more like a Joey Votto, just sort of swinging at everything with his power. Um, but he has been really, really good for Seattle, just not against lefties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I believe that he should be on the ballot for first baseman of the American League. I don't hate that take. He's been on a, te- a team of steaming shit. He's been one of the brighter spots. Highest OPS on this list if he were there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy that he didn't even make the, the list. Does it have to be... Do you? Have, is it his rookie year or anything like that? It shouldn't it's be. It's the first time that he's played a ton of games. He's already played 60 this year, and his uh, he played 37 last year. So he was he's always being called up and sent back down, and this year he's finally up for good. Um, so it's his first real look, I will say. What is his stat line one more time? Sorry, uh, so batting average 247, not great. Uh, OPP, OBP 379, slugging 542, OPS 921, 16 homers. All of that is better than Albert Pujols. Yes. All of that. All of that. That's actually better, better than almost anybody else on this list, including Chris Davis. How is Chris Davis on this list? So Orioles. This is- you know, I think this is the, I'm going to call it the Ben Baseball pitfall, where people have name recognition and they believe that they are then still good. Right. I love Miguel Cabrera is on the list. That's another one I was going to bring up here in a minute, because that is unbelievable. But you look at, like, the NL side, and it's all pretty deserving over there. Yes. Pete Alonso looks really good this year so far. Absolutely. I would give it to Pete, uh, although Josh Bell has just been, like, really, really fucking good. Yes, he really has. Josh Bell has been um but yeah the first base slot in the national league you pick any one of these guys and you're happy that he's on your team i mean reese hoskins is on there goldschmidt's on there he's a breakout goldschmidt freddie freeman's been really damn good believe it or not that's kind of a breakout like i feel like he's always piddled around he's all pretty freeman's always been good but just quietly good right he's just one of those guys yes he's one of those guys he's the adrian beltre right now He's just a little younger. Like in a couple years, uh, the talk will start to pick up and it'll be like, where does he land at the end of his career? And it'll be Hall of Fame for sure. I mean, it's pretty crazy when you sort it by RBIs and Max Muncy is like six or seven on your list. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. But Max Muncy plays like all the positions too. He's not just first base. He's like second and third and outfield as well. So I'm not sure why... Maybe he's on all of these. I'm not sure, but he can he qualifies many places. I forget who it was. I'd have to go back and look, but there was that guy that played for the Diamondbacks too. Like it was like right when we started the show, and he played for like he played in like every position of the Diamond except for like oh, two. Shit. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. who that was. We'll have to look back into that. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good one. He had played uh, almost every position that year already. Yeah, he like within like three weeks. I think he hadn't played, it was like, I, th- I don't think he played short catcher or pitcher, but all the outfields and all the other infield positions he had played. Yeah, that sounds right. That definitely sounds right. I'm looking at their yeah. roster real quick to see if he's still even there. Because I feel like the name will jump out, jump out at me when I hear it. Yeah. But um, but if I look at second base, uh, I, I've got to give it to Tommy LaStella in the American League. He's had like a breakout season. I think he's hitting over 300. Let's see here. 315. 315 yeah. 15 home runs and a 920 OPS. Um, probably the most deserving. Um, everyone else, second base is kind of crap in the American League. Jerkson Profar has got a lot of RBIs, but has a really bad batting average. So he strikes out a yes. lot. Yes, a ton. Yeah. That's not too surprising for him, right? No, I don't. Well, I think he used to have patience. I don't know what happened, but he also used to be a lot of things on paper, right? Yeah, well, (laughs) Texas probably took a lot of his patience from him. 
They should have traded him three seasons before they did. Oh, my God. We had so many opportunities. It would have been great. He was such... How many more wins would the Rangers have this season if they had traded him when they should have? Oh, God. Well, the package... I'd have to look back on some of those years and see what they had for him. But that was the problem, though, is that they just didn't know how long Kinsler was going to be around. They just... They didn't know. And then he kept, like, getting hurt in weird ways. Like, remember when he slept on his shoulder and was out for a season? Like, how does that happen? Slept on shoulder out for a season. <laughs> right. Like, I have a bum shoulder. I sleep on it all the time, and it does, I can still throw a goddamn baseball. So, like, I don't... Yeah. Uh, it must have really, really kicked him in the ass hard. Oh, boy. But you look on the other side, I mean, there's really it's not a lot of depth it. on the AL side at all. I mean, Michael Chavis is on here, for God's sakes. And he... I mean, he's been fine for the Red Sox, but he hasn't been great. I mean, 247 average, 10 home runs, 30 RBIs, and a 786 OPS. That's yeah. fine. It's not great. He's a rookie. Right. Like, it's, or not, I mean, it's his first year up. Like, it's, it's going to take yeah. some time to work out, but. I think the biggest problem with this ballot is that each team has to be represented at each position. It's not like I can see two second basemen on the Angels. I'm only going to see the one, which is probably why Vogelbach isn't present at first base because Incarnacion's taking that slot for Seattle. Right, that's true. Mike Moustakas has been really fucking good, though. (laughs) Yeah, he has. He's he's hitting 275, 20 home runs, 43 RBIs, and a 930 OPS. Well, let me throw a a weird little thing at you. Uh, I mix up Mike Moustakas and Eric Hosmer all the time. So I mix up Let's see. So I I know what you're saying because they're all on that Royals team, and I mix up Mike Moustakis and Lorenzo Cain all the time. Oh, wow. Which are two very different. I'm talking about two soft white guys. Maybe it's not Lorenzo Cain. Hold on. There's somebody on that specific Royals. Alex Gordon? Maybe Alex Gordon. No, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I know what you mean, though. Like, Mike Moustakis is a lost face. Yeah. He just. I can't. Don't know how to resolve this. I know I have that issue with several different baseball players, but him in particular is always one where I'm like, wait, which one is he? Yeah. You know what? I guess I might be thinking of Hosmer. I must be because I just think that I just always think of that Royals team in 2014. Yeah, that was a fucking good team. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Yeah, really was. I mean, Ozzy Albies has gotten off to a slow start. I mean, how how can you be on this list? and have seven home runs and you'd be like the fifth one down. Like that's, that's impressed. That's not impressive at all. Second base is a fairly weak position the past couple of years. Fair. Uh, let's look at third base then. Um, Bregman on the AL side. I definitely probably agree with, I hate that guy, but I definitely agree. He's pretty good. Um, Hunter Dozier is like a breakout guy this year for the Royals. Didn't know he existed, but he's been, he's been hitting for a lot of average. Damn Dozers, man. They all white and the same. They really are. <laughs> Anthony Rendon in the Nationals on the National League side, uh, far and away the best. I mean, Nolan Arenado's got more name recognition, but um, the numbers for Rendon are like significant. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I mean, you could you could definitely make the case for Devers as well. Yeah. He's had a really damn good side, year. I, w- I would probably give it to Devers. I mean, he's got 301, nine home runs, 40 RBIs, and 847 OPS. We were talking about the shit pile that Seattle is and how they have the one bright, shining star. That's kind of what is going on in Boston to a lesser degree right this second. He's been great this year. The National League is just stacked at third base. It's Rendon, Arenado, and Chris Bryant at the top of the list. Um, Really, really good guys. They're all... All of them are all stars. <laughs> and then Manny Machado after that, who's having a really good year. Mikhail Franco. I mean, there's a lot of fucking good guys on this on this list. Yeah. Travis um, Shaw, the mayor of Ding Dong City. Dude, he's I feel like he's gotten off to he was injured, but it feels like he's gotten off to a really slow start. Very slow. I had him in my team for a while. I dropped him. He's been poop. Absolute poop. He's hitting one seventy. Yeah, not surprised. Jose Ramirez has not been nearly as electric this year as he's no. been in previous years. Yeah, he got a little big. Yeah, he did. A lot of big, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, shortstop on the AL side, I mean, Bogarts has been really damn good. Correa's been pretty good, too. Boy, Polanco's been awesome. Good. Man, there's a lot of depth on the AL side here. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm pr- I probably got to give it to Polanco on the Twins. He's having uh, an unusually good season. I don't hate that. I mean, he's hitting 333 with 10 home runs, 34 RBIs, and 962 OPS. Hmm. I'm just looking. I'm sorting it by different things because that kind of change. I feel like that. Yeah, it, it skews the way things look. But um, he's on a hot hitting team, and he's definitely doing his part. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, th- that is definitely the case. That Twins team is. They rake. Yeah, they do. That's a scary team. I, I don't know that I believe in them quite yet, but it feels realer and realer every day. Don't you think they should have landed a Kimbrel or a Keichel? Absolutely. Talk about a team that, like, I don't think anybody believes in. If they had landed somebody like that, they, I think they need all the help they can get. While they are doing really, really well. They have a deep farm system because they've been bad for a long time, though. So they're going to be able to get, like, Madison Bumgarner or somebody like that. I, I'm super excited to see where the Twins go this season. Me too. On the NL side, uh, at shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been really fucking good, man. Yeah, Javi Baez, I think I'd give it to just because he's on a better team. And that guy's electric defensively. It's And on the base pads, talk about he's probably the most fun player to watch in baseball. He really is. You know who's been really good this year, too, is Dansby Swanson. Has he? Yeah, he's hitting 257. He's got 13 home runs, 43 RBIs, and a 785 OPS. That's better than he's been playing in the last couple yeah. seasons. I think like nine of those home runs came in April. Really? He, re- he, he came out of the gate swinging, um, and I think he regressed a little bit, but happy to hear those numbers that he's still doing like fairly well. Because they really got shafted in that trade if he doesn't really start to materialize into what he's supposed to be. I agree. Because they gave away the farm for that whole and that whole trade for him. So Yeah. yeah. Um ca- does catcher matter? <laughs> it's Gary Sanchez and that on the AL side, that's like the only one worth mentioning, I think. And then the NL, I think, is a little contested between Grandal, Contreras, and Real Muto. Real Muto's really good, dude. He was he wasted several years too many in Miami before getting onto a decent team. I agree. Uh, I would say Real, Wilson Ramos has also picked it up of late, but not probably not in the conversation. It, it's heated between Contreras, Grandal, and Real Muto in the National League, but probably going to give it to Wilson because he's the best like catcher defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been, uh, we've been waiting for him to have a breakout season for two, two years, two, three years now. And that's at least it. he's good. He's been really good. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, let's look at outfielders here. <sighs> Mike Trout, uh, Mike Trout. Yeah. That's a given. I feel like, so there's just so many people on this list, like Aaron judge who are hurt, like they're not playing. So right. it's kind of hard to like gauge that way Michael Brantley if he stays healthy he's been really damn good but we've had that discussion a million times Eddie Rosario has been electric so far this year I I think yeah in addition to Eddie on the twins uh, Byron Buxton on the twins has also really picked it up in the last three or four weeks Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make it at all no not at all what do you think about the NL side yeah um, Kristen Yelich and Cody Bellinger Cody Bellinger's uh, he's Regressed from his hot start. He, I think he was hitting 400 for like 40 days or something like that. He's hitting 355. You got to have Harper in there somewhere. Harper, but God damn it, he stopped. He hasn't been that good. He's got 44 RBIs. Yeah, but <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Ronald, Ronald Acuna Jr. will make it as well, just because. Um, I would say, like based on performance, I would I, I would probably have to give a dark horse vote to Fran Mel Reyes on the Padres but really that good, guy's dude. for power and he's having a really good season. 19 home runs for this kid he is a monstrous human being <laughs> he's, he's really huge <laughs> he it terrifies me thinking about him like towering over me yeah because oh he is God. enormous it's it's scary yeah but he hits the living piss out of the ball when he does yes but yeah man I think I'm excited to see kind of how this shakes out so we'll kind of keep everybody updated with like what Oh, I guess we got to do DH spot, too. Any... That's where Vogelbach sits here. Okay, that's fair. I don't hate Hunter Pence there either, though. I don't Nelson hate Hunter Cruz. Pence either. I like it. Yeah, no, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. But, yeah, we'll keep everybody updated on how these shake out and everything as we keep uh, headed towards the All-Star break. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Um, anything else that we need to hit on? No. 
Alrighty, well, I guess we will go ahead and get out of here. We're going to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's at OutfielderPod on Twitter and Instagram. And since we love media on Facebook, make sure to check us out on the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. And last but not least, make sure to check out the website, sensiblyloud.com, all of your latest blogs, pods, and more. Make sure to check it out. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 69 of the Outfielder Podcast. We'd like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with the sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep trolling that outfield. Don't text and drive. Rest in peace to Kevin Towers, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Get to what you're, now, now, now. We live by anything, get the world to death, live that's in it, better.